there's something really attractive about the the idea of not knowing what every day of your life is going to be like. Welcome to The State of Creative, a podcast dedicated to discussing the topics around the process, the struggle, and the current state of various creative industries. My name is Dustin Phillips. I'm an audio producer and drummer for the punk rock band, The Ataris. In each episode of this podcast, I'll be sitting down with a different creative professional to discuss a specific topic, as well as what's happening in their specific industry. Thank you so much for taking the time to check out this podcast. If you have a topic suggestion or somebody that you would like to suggest to be on the show, please give me a shout on Twitter, at Dustin Phillips, on Instagram, at Dustin Phillips Music, or send over an email to thestateofcreative at gmail.com. Please make sure you hit that subscribe button and enjoy this episode. Hey, what's up, friends? I am really looking forward to jumping into this episode with my good friend Jay Ness as he talks about his creative grind in the film industry. But before we do, I need to give a quick shout out to my friends over at Isotope for helping power the state of creative podcast. If you are an audio professional or you like to get creative with audio, Isotope has everything you need to save you time and money and keep focusing on the creative elements of your audio. Check them out at isotope.com. Now, onto the episode with Jay Ness. Hey, what's up, friends? Welcome back to the State of Creative Podcast. I'm joined today by my good friend, filmmaker and director from Minneapolis, Mr. Jay Ness. Jay, how's it going, man? Hey, not too bad, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, You're somebody that I've looked up to creatively for a while. Uh, We've been great friends for, oh my gosh, like 12 years now. Um, But before we get too deep into things, I guess, could you just fill people in a little bit on your background? What got you into film? What got you interested? When you got started? All that fun stuff. Sure, man. I started doing what I do um, in terms of just, I guess, making film or movies, uh, emulating what I saw. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, my parents had a VHS RCA camcorder. It was actually like the first one um, that, I mean, it was ridiculously expensive. Um, you could load VHS tapes into it. Um, and uh, I've seen it go online, that, that very camera. <laughs> it's, it's pretty expensive now, actually. Regardless, though, you know, that was something I did for fun for a really long time. You know, I got into music for a while. And around the time when you and I met, uh, was when I kind of circled back to the whole film thing. Um, and, you know, interestingly, you know, it was a merging of music and, and film, two things I was, you know, I was very, very passionate about at certain points in my life. Um, and so uh, it, it started doing uh, music videos or, or live videos. Um, hence, probably around the first time we uh, we worked together. Yeah. Was, yep. Um, and, you know, and then, then from that experience, you know, it, it allowed me to be, uh, to sort of educate myself and become technical um, and, you know, work, work with my friends and people who just liked creating art. Um, and it was probably about 10 years ago now, um, nearly, um, that I got sort of my first actual professional job as an editor um, where I was working for a company and they were yeah, basically like, you know, my, my start to freelance. Um, and so it's been a, it's been a, a very, uh, interesting journey. Uh, and, uh, sometimes I, I, I managed to impress myself that I'm, I, I've been able to find my way. It's just because you know how this goes. Um, it's, it's very, you, you're sort of flying, um, blind 
Well, I've seen I've seen a lot of the stuff that you've done, obviously, along the years. You're always kind of sending me these little snapshots and everything. Are you completely just hands-on self-taught or did you go to did you go through any schooling or did you were you watching YouTube videos or or what was kind of kind of walk me through that? Yeah. So what I will say is one trademark about my personality, which has gotten me both in trouble and also just sort of benefits me in, in, in a situation like we were in 10 years ago where YouTube wasn't quite there. Um, I was always the kid that didn't read like the instructions to something you had to put together. I oh, was, dude, <laughs> same way, same way. Sure. Like, like I can't tell you how many, how many pieces of furniture or maybe it was like even like some goofy, uh, a gift when I was a kid or something. Um, and I'm still kind of like that. Um, and I really actually enjoy that process, um, of just sort of learning by yourself. Um, and like when we started, uh, when you and I started working together was, was when I really kind of started taking everything seriously. Um, and that was a day and age where YouTube was nothing like it is now. Um, you couldn't, you couldn't just type in any random software application and find, um, loads and loads of tutorials, um, nor cameras, uh, uh at that time, uh, well, they're hardly accessible, um, to, uh, to, um, you're very limited with your choices. It, it blows my mind. I'm very envious of the, the, the YouTube generation, the people that got to come up with all these tutorials. I was reading a lot of literature, mm-hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> harassing friends, uh, and, uh, you know, shout out to Alex Horner. He's a guy that, um, who, who would just talk to me on the phone if I had questions. And I, I, I'm never going to forget that. Um, he actually did uh, an All the Right Moves music video before I did the Wildfire video with you. Just, just to um, pause you right there, for anybody that doesn't know, um, I was a part of a band called All the Right Moves. I was a drummer. And Jay and I worked together quite a bit on that and a little bit for my acoustic projects as well. But um, that's where that reference is coming in. And before I was in the band, they, they worked with Alex on the dancer music video and, uh, he does a great job. I mean, I gotta be honest though. I, I'm personally a little, I'm partial to your work though. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I just think that there was something really cool about what we did. Um, because, uh, for that video, I mean, it was your, your place. We just threw, this party and and invited all of our friends and made a music video out of it. And it kind of just felt like, um, this, this like extended hangout, um, that went a very long time. Uh, and, but it was to this day, like Dustin, I'm not just blowing steam up your ass. Like (laughs) that is, that is definitely like, that is without a doubt, one of my favorite, um, sets, if you call it, I guess like it just, it was just so low pressure and we all just had fun and we tried and experimented with a bunch of things and, uh, and people in your band, uh, some of the members created characters. Um, and, uh, some of them were just, you know, everyone in your, in your band was just so willing. And that was just, that was pretty unfamiliar to me at that time. And that's, that's why I think that video worked. It's just sort of like, we all just wanted to do it and had this agenda that, you know, about, I guess, landing on the same page. Absolutely. Yeah. That was, that was definitely a, uh, a day to remember. Um, it was the most fun, but then it also turned pretty sour pretty quickly. Uh, that's right. On, <laughs> on like day, day two. Yeah. Um, 
you're <laughs> do you want me to do you want me to talk about it or would you rather well <laughs> i mean so on the set we had we had the band we had probably what do you figure 20 to 30 extras because the the whole set was it was a party right we were we yeah. used my folks place we had a pool we were splashing around in the pool we were throwing beer bottles around we were um just having a good time and my neighbors across the street i'll let you tell the story but my neighbors across the street decided they wanted to be a part of the fun. And we're like, yeah, sure. Why not? More the merrier. And, uh, you know, that's when things maybe took a left turn. Jay, why don't you jump in? Yeah. And this has never happened to me again. The, um, the, the music video in a sense sort of got sabotaged. The, your, your neighbors came in and put on this persona of being excited about, uh, getting to be a part of it. And they were praising you guys, you know, they're asking me questions. Little did we know, like right under our, our, our freaking feet, they were robbing your house. They're taking people's uh, iPod touches, their phones, laptops, yep. um, gear, like guitars. Uh, uh, and uh, I was very, very, I had this, I remember having this really weird feeling about it. Like, why is this person so interested in what I have? Like, like so that, and I remember just seeing, people like different people starting to come in. It's just sort of like, what is going on? Like why? Like th there was something really weird about it. But at the same time though, I was like, you know, obviously uh, in music video mode and trying to get this done. Um, and not to say that I truly suspected anything, but I, I remember just feeling sort of odd about it. Like there was just something that just didn't feel right. Well, and they were, they were bringing over, booze for everybody, you know, because it was, it was a party related video and everybody was having a couple drinks. And, um, I will say that you weren't, you were kind of the adult on set, but yeah, they were kind of <laughs> just coming and going and they always seemed to have one eye on the action while the others were kind of off doing their own thing. And I do remember when we were shooting some of the scenes down at the pool, uh, one of the one of the gentlemen, he was down at the pool with us while the other two, I think there were two other guys, were upstairs uh, just totally cleaning us out. They took two of my Les Pauls. They took, um, they took like you said, laptops, iPods, um, clothes. It was really weird. Like some people were missing their jeans. Like, I don't know if these are designer jeans or what. And it just, it, it got, it got to a point where somebody went upstairs and they're like, Hey, I can't find my clothes. And we're like, ah, oh, that's funny. And then somebody's like, Hey, I can't find my phone. And we're like, Hmm, that's kind of weird. And then I started, we all, you know, everybody started looking around and we're like, everybody seems to be missing something. So we're putting all the pieces together and those guys are gone. And, uh, yeah, it, it didn't, I don't think it really dawned on us quite then until a brother of one of the guys from across the street, the brother came over and just said, hey, somebody has some guitars over here. Nobody in our house plays guitars. Do you guys know where these are coming from? And immediate, I mean, it, it was like one of those moments where, you know, you hear the glass bottle just shatter in your head. Like everything just kind of clicks in that moment. And, yes, and you yes. just realize, okay, something, something really bad has happened here. So I remember Roman, our, our violin player... <laughs> The knife, right? The a knife. meat cleaver. He grabbed a meat cleaver. <laughs> That's right. And we're, you know, we're all going, we're all uh, walking across the street. It's, it's dark at this point. 
And I think we had wrapped on the day. I think I was actually, I think I was recording some demos for a band called Lights Out Dancing, if I remember correctly. But you guys we were totally kind of, were. you guys were all just yeah. kind of hanging out. So we go across the street, Roman's got his meat cleaver and uh, we, we knock on the front door and just say, Hey, we know that you've got our shit, man. We we're, we're, we're to you. We know what's going on. So we go in the house, we look for, we, I think we might, may have found um, a guitar, but that was it at that point. And we had called the cops, the cops show up and we, uh, they had been searching around the house and found that they had dumped probably, you know, most of the, the larger stuff had been dumped in the back of their house. So we, so we found some of the laptops and I think we got back all the guitars at that point, but what we hadn't recovered were a bunch of the smaller items like phones and stuff that I believe by that time had been pawned. I think they were making trips to the pawn shop. And, uh, uh. if you remember, do you remember, <laughs> do you remember when they were in the backyard what the cops Distinctly. had found? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They, they found, I think they're growing uh, a, a huge like uh, uh, marijuana, uh, like a plant, right? Massive. Was, yeah. It was massive. massive yeah. Absolutely massive. And so, <laughs> we took pictures with it. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I think the cops were in the photo with us. They, I think they posed in the, oh gosh, I, I hope that I can find some of those and maybe, um, maybe drop them on my site or something. But yeah, it was, it was so, it was so nuts. And then I think they, um, by the end, they ended up taking away the guy that lived across the street. I don't think his friends got in trouble because they couldn't prove anything because the items were at this dude's house and none of the items were found on the friends. So they, the friends got let go and, uh, the dude went to jail. I, th- I, I don't know if it was for 30 days or what, but it made for a very uncomfortable situation once he got out. For sure. Like you had to live next to this individual. Oh man. Yeah. For a while. And you know, this was you know, towards the tail end of me living at my folks place. So luckily it wasn't, it didn't turn into a long-term thing, but man, that that's absolutely a day that I will never forget. And I'm, I'm glad that you were a part of it too, because it's, it's cool. Cause I wouldn't be able to just call up some other random music video director and be like, Hey, you remember that day? You'd be like, yeah, dude, I I'm busy right now, but it's cool to, to have you as a friend and as the director on that project. Cause that was an absolute blast. And now we have a story that we can kind of tell for, for the ages. Exactly. We wouldn't, this conversations wouldn't, this, this wouldn't be happening. And it's one, like it's, 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 it was, you know, I, I just remember the sinking feeling in my stomach because we had packed up, um, and I, I, I drove, I, I had, uh, drove home, uh, and you'd call me and told me what happened. And so I drove back out there with, uh, Liz and the, um, yeah, the result was everything you just said. Yeah. <laughs> so right. Right there. yeah. And if, if anybody wants to go check out the wildfire, all the right moves music video, the guy actually does make an appearance in the very first scene of that video. Um, I believe he's wearing a green shirt. If I remember correctly, we're all kind of passed out on the front lawn and I believe he's, uh, he's there at some point, but I think we were pretty adamant to make sure that he wasn't in any other parts because Although a nice little cameo was was a nice touch, I, I think leaving him out of the rest was probably a good idea just for our sanity. <laughs> I remember that that being like our opening shot. Yeah, just thinking like, well, we have no other shots of the house at this point in time in the story, so it's either he's in it or we don't have it. Yeah. Well, that was an absolute blast, man. I really, I really enjoyed that project. Um, 
in creative industries, the only constant really is a fluctuation of basically everything. When you have a nine to five, and I've been there, um, you have busy times, you have slow times, you have, you know, good times, you have bad times. But I feel like in creative industries, everything's a little bit more exaggerated. I feel like when you're busy, you're slammed. You're absolutely slammed for maybe, maybe it's just a couple of weeks at a time. Maybe it's a couple of months at a time. Maybe it's an entire year, depending on the scope of your project. But then there always seems to be this lull where either you're creatively drained or you're not interested in taking on projects or there's just no projects to be found. Absolutely. I kind of wanted to get your input on that. I know that you had, you just wrapped up a project. Am I right? You just wrapped up something, something big. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I directed a feature film called Dark Cloud. Uh, it stall our stars, Emily Atak, uh, Alexis Gabrielle, uh, Hugo Armstrong, a lot of great Minneapolis talent as well. Justin Jones, Amanda Day, Anna Strands, uh, to name a few who have major roles in, in the film. But yeah, this is something that, that's been sort of on and off depending where we are in the process since 2017. Um, and it's, uh, in late 2017 is when, uh, my business partner, John wrote the script. Um, and it's, it's really, uh, I mean, you're, when you refer to the, the fluctuation of work, you know, what's been so interesting about this project for me is that this, like the waves you're discussing, that's what this project has been because there's, it's such a huge process and there's so many, uh, departments uh, compartmentalized, but as the director, it's like I still, um, you know, I, I have a say in all of uh, the the assets that will eventually come together and be what everyone sees. And it's like, but at the same time, I'm not the one physically on the computer doing all of these things. I'm, I'm at now. I'm at the point uh, where, where I am. They're taking my guidance, and sure. I am telling them what was intended, what I want. But then it, it like this stuff takes so much time. And so like, you know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting place to be. And it's been a really, really good experience. Sure. I have learned, I've learned a lot. Um, and it's definitely kept me busy. Um, but it's also like, once again, you have to be ready to adapt what the reality is. You know, you might be planning something um, that that w- when you get to it, like for one reason or another, it's not going to work out the way that you had planned or hoped. And there's no way you could have seen it um, with, without uh, having done it. Yep. I think I think what I'm trying to circle around to here is that this project in particular has been in tons of bursts. It's on a it's 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 stretched out in longevity. Um, and so it kind of feels like different jobs because it's like, okay, now we're focusing on the edit. Okay. Um, here's what I want. You know, I get my hands on it, pass it off to the editor, Jeremy Wanick, uh, a great friend of mine, um, and, and a great collaborator. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll do his thing with it for a couple weeks, you know? And it's like, there's, I, and, and I sit there, um, sure. and I, I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's no, like, yeah, I get it. you have to give people their time. Um, and, uh, so I will say that I have been consumed by a project. Um, but in terms of other work, um, in, in a more general, uh, discussion, yeah, like it, like this right now in the middle of the COVID, uh, a pandemic, um, everything is different and it's really impossible to plan. Absolutely. Um, 
which which I think is sort of a a very um, a very broad way of t- discussing what you and I do is you really don't know what's coming next and and you've you've got to sort of it's like you've got to prepare for that but you can't plan for it um, and it makes like when people talk about like five year plans um, and and all that like for me that is just out the window like I can put a certain percentage of of, of revenue aside fine but like you know, it's, it's that lifestyle that, that you and I are living that, that you have to be into and okay with. Well, and on that note, <laughs> I mean, we're not in the creative industries for money. I mean, I, I know yeah. that you're not because, um, when it comes to creative industries, there, a lot of times there isn't money. And so yeah. you can, you can plan to set aside, you know, X percent or, you know, 10% of each project or 20% or whatever it might be. But there's really no guarantee that that steady flow of income is going to be there. And so, whereas that, that little buffer you may have expected to use, um, for, you know, a rainy day in five years, or maybe even your retirement, you can't really plan for that because you, you never know, like, okay, after this project's done, I don't have anything lined up until who knows when, I mean, I've, we just had our touring canceled for the spring and the summer and uh, okay. quite possibly the fall and who knows um, when, when touring will kick back up. But even to have, you know, say, say somebody in my position is fortunate enough to have saved up a couple hundred bucks or maybe, you know, rent for a couple months when there's no specific end date in sight or you don't know like, okay, I'm specifically uh, starting this next tour or you're starting this next movie or something in September for sure, you don't really know how you can adjust your lifestyle and plan to that. And that can be really stressful. Absolutely. Uh, and I think what you're saying alludes to having to find or be okay with, or maybe even enjoy the ideas are, are the idea of taking a risk. Yes. And that's what I've always identified with, I think with you and sort of just like, I always just kind of saw you, I've always seen you as this person finding ways to do the things you want to do. I mean, if it means getting you know, uh, a job, uh, like, like a scheduled job for a little bit, um, in order for you to still be able to create and work on, uh, recording, um, or playing, uh, uh, touring, you know, there's something really attractive about the, the idea of, of just not knowing what every day of your life is going to be like. You have to love the process. I mean, that's really yes. what it comes down to. You can't, Especially with creative, and and I would argue that um, anybody in any walk of of life, they you've got to love the process of what you're doing. Um, I mean, I can't imagine doing something every day, day in and day out, that I hate. And I know that I am in uh, in a position. I, I'm incredibly fortunate to have landed the gig with the Ataris and to have a life revolved around music. So I'm I understand that not everybody is afforded that that luxury of being able to do what they love to do, but finding, even if it's not something that you do for your living, finding that creative outlet and finding some way to enjoy and love the process, I think is so important. You said something a a little bit ago that I really liked. Um, You said you can, you can prepare for it, but you can't plan for it. Meaning it's always good to be prepared for a curveball getting thrown your way uh, in the creative industry. It's always good to prepare like, okay, if X happens, I'm going to do Y. But you can't really ever say, I know that X is going to happen on this day, or I know that 
this is going to happen at this time. Um, especially if you're in, in the middle of a project too, not even just discussing the financial part, but you could be in the middle of a project and have everything mapped out completely. And you get on set one day, I'm sure. I mean, you know the industry better than I do, obviously. But um, for me, I guess I could I could have every, everything planned out and get in the studio someday. And I'm planning to track vocals for a band or something. And the vocalist shows up and he or she is sick. Or, sure. or the, uh, you know... Uh, the guitar player's amp isn't working or, and they're, they're adamant on using that specific amp. Um, you know, there's, there's all these variables that go into the creative industry. And I think having the, um, the agility and being able to work with that is something that I know that I need to get better at. But I, th- I think that once you get to a point where you almost invite those challenges, I think that's when you start to grow creatively. Yeah. Uh, 150% because it's like you, you know, when you welcome those things, um, you are, Oh, I had a, had a thought and it's, it's, it slipped me for a second here. Um, the, I think the things you're talking about, like have to do with like, okay. Oh, adaptability. That's what I was thinking. Being able to think on your feet, being able to think on your feet because so many things can go wrong and they will go wrong. You just don't know what. And and that you or you'll see things that there's no way, absolutely impossible that you could have seen it prior to actually uh, ac- executing whatever you're doing. Or maybe, you know, you talked about like sort of the order of things like X, Y. Well, maybe Y then has to come before X and you, you right. have to make an adjustment because maybe, um, like you said, either a band member is sick or like for me, it's like uh, you, you schedule out an entire shoot, the dark cloud shoot total i could be wrong by a day or two but it's it's like 27 or 28 days what do you do if it rains out yeah and 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 what are you gonna do like what is what is plan b okay well so having to like think through like the potential of disaster and what you what you will do if something that uh derails you happens and 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 being being okay with that i think is is it's, it's a very uncomfortable place to be absolutely but I think the key is becoming comfortable being uncomfortable. Sure. Absolutely. I, I totally 100% agree. And sometimes the best creative moments are sparked by these derailments. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Reactionary. And, you know, you can get a lot of authenticity, I feel like, out of uh, response. And it also, one thing I really like about it's, it sounds, there's got to be a masochistic part of me because like <laughs> when, when, when things go wrong, like I swear it forces creativity sometimes. Absolutely. Um, yep. And, and that it's just so satisfying. Um, whether people wind up liking whatever it is that, that you put out into the world, you just can't let that shit get under your skin. Cause that's not why you do it. I, I decided to go back to your word about process because you know, yeah, I, I understand that movies are made for the general audience, um, and you understand that music is made for all ears to listen to. Like, you just have to be okay with people not liking what you do, yep. and that's totally fine because you don't do it for those people, and ultimately, you're also doing it for yourself because of this magical, magical thing called the process with collaborating and getting other brains in on the art and and seeing what other people can bring to the table and 
I, I thrive on collaboration. Like I love, 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 love um, the idea of someone else's brain being able to come up with something mine didn't. Like there's no ego oh, for me. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I love being surprised or, uh, or considering all things just because it was a certain way in my head doesn't mean that someone else can't essentially do a different version of the same thing or make it better. Like whenever I'm working with on-screen talent, um, and they want to try something like if we're on schedule, I'll be like, hell yeah. Like, yeah, like do it. Like, you know, because you don't know. Uh, so, so, and, and the more, the more you give your collaborators ownership, I just can't help but feel that that is sort of the secret sauce in getting uh, the people you want to work with back in the same room with you again to keep doing it because they, they feel like they're valued and they feel that their opinion matters and, and you're, they're not just puppets. Like that, that is a way of creating. I'll never understand is the, like the puppeteering of, um, other people. Yeah. I love collaborating. I, <laughs> I honestly think always that everybody else's idea is better than mine. I don't know if it was, uh, my, uh, my friendship circles when I was younger, just getting, you know, um, or just always looking up to other people or what it might be. But I always, I always welcome everybody else's ideas because there's so much value in the collaboration and bouncing off ideas. And you'd said something a second ago too, about you almost weirdly, strangely enjoy the pressure of when something goes wrong because it, it kind of forces you, backs you into a corner and forces you to figure stuff out. And I think that's brilliant. I mean, I think finding solutions to problems, I mean, that, that's creative in the very essence, you know, and not, yeah. and not just in film, not just in music, but, you know, you look at um, every invention that's ever been created. That's a, it's always a solution to a problem of some sort or a solution to some sort of pressure point or pain point that people are dealing with. And, uh, I think that that that's totally mirrored in the creative industries for, for film, for, for music, um, for photography, whatever it might be. And I think that's a great thing to, uh, for you to have pointed out. I feel like it's, it's, there's, there's just something really, really cool about it for me, particularly directing the worst, the absolute worst thing that you can say to your collaborators, even if you might be sort of unsure, is I don't know. Like you can't say I don't know because uh that that is just that that kills so much momentum. Um, especially when you're the team leader. Okay. Um, so like no matter what, like if people come with you or come at you with a ridiculous question, you should be able to answer it. So I think another part that's super hard about it, it goes, it goes with like, and I think you'll agree with this and if not, let me know, but like experience is unmatched. And with experience, that is what I feel allows you to, to then be able to think on your feet, to answer the questions that, that might come up that you haven't been asked yet. So it's like, there also can be some preparation in your process. Sure. Um, related to be ready to answer the questions you haven't been asked yet. Sure. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, I, I, I agree and disagree. Um, so I, I am very much one, if I straight up do not know the answer to something, I am absolutely the first person to say, you know what? I don't know, but I will, you know, I, I will find out. I'll educate myself to find out the answer to that. Yeah. However, where I do agree with you on is if somebody comes to me with an idea or if somebody comes to me with a suggestion, I think saying I don't know in that situation is kind of a passive aggressive way of shooting it down. 
You know, it's kind of like, well, well, I don't know about that. And so I think always keeping an open mind and welcoming in that criticism, that's so valuable. And I think that so many creatives, myself included, are so almost afraid of criticism uh, because they're afraid that it's going to either derail their mental process or derail uh, the vision that they have in their mind for the project where I think criticism, whether you take it or not, can give you such a wider perspective on what you're working on. Because when you're working on something, it's so easy to get tunnel vision, whether it be yes, yes. whether it be an album in the studio or for you uh, working on a film or even just a specific scene. I'm sure that with all the things that go into it with, with lighting and the way that lines are delivered and everything, you it's so easy to get something stuck in your head. But if you open up yeah. the conversation for other collaborators, I think that's when magic really happens. It, it, exactly, man. And the uh, the notion about what you had to say in regards to uh, you know letting other people in, you get you know you write a song, uh, you record, uh, and you listen to it and it plays back over and over again. For me, it's like scene or dialogue or the way it was shot. Like, and you really just kind of get, you can, it's really dangerous. You can get used to how it is. And so like, in a way it's like, you can almost trick yourself that it, that, that, that sounds right. Or that is right. When like, I think it's so important to bring in like fresh eyes who have no connection emotionally to the content you're creating. And, and, uh, and hearing them too, because like what makes perfect sense to you because you know the script or because you know the song, it, it, uh, that can also open your eyes. So like, yeah, I think, I think it's really, I think criticism can be tough. I've gotten, I've personally gotten super comfortable with it. Like I, I'm convinced like, like seriously, like I want, I want to hear what doesn't work in my work for other people. And I will very, very seriously consider why that might be. And if I am wrong, or if I am maybe doing something and I, I'm okay with that because I think like, if you can't take criticism, you know, it, it can be hard to, to take, but if you don't take it, like, I really feel like criticism might be the only way you grow. If you can come at it with an angle of construct, you know, constructive criticism, no matter what people are saying. 100%. In, in today's world, especially with social media, we are constantly surrounding ourselves with people that think like us, that see the world like us. And while I, I believe that it's important to block out certain negative energies, um, I think if we completely block out creative criticism, that, that totally, uh, it, it does us no justice because it gives us no opportunity to grow. Um, right. I want to just to, to circle back on our, on our discussion about working with waves and uh, dealing with, you know, the constant fluctuation of, of, having gigs and then not having gigs. I know that you said that you were, you deal with specific um, waves of work within the certain project itself. So you'd been working on this, on uh, the Dark Cloud project for quite a while. How are you affected when a project this large uh, comes to an end and and now you're you're kind of left? I mean, I know that there's always these loose ends that have to get tied up and, you know, there's, um, the promotion and everything. I don't know if you're heavily involved in in everything that happens uh, after the filming of of your project. But what position are you in now? Now that you've been busy for so long, are you 
are you finding yourself in a lull? Are you finding yourself, are you relieved to be done with that? Are you scrambling for work or what goes through your mind during this time? Sure. Uh, that's a fantastic question because this is something I've actually sort of wondered. Um, and I've, I can attribute this to other experiences, but not one that has taken this long where like, like we had a script in late 2017. It is now, uh, 2020 and like the movie is not quite out. Well, it's not, it's not out and it's, 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 it's near completion in a sense compared to where we were, you know, three, uh, th- uh, three years ago. Wow. Um, or two and a half or two and a half years ago. Um, I will say that what, how I feel when, when this sort of thing comes to an end is like right now, this movie is my world. And so I do want to start thinking about what comes next. And I think the part that I will struggle with the most is putting it to bed and the end of all of this camaraderie mm-hmm, that, sure. because th- this exact team coming back together. And when I say exact team, like every person who was on set, either, you know, uh, uh, script supervisor, PA, um, all of these super integral roles, roles, they will, the chances of those people getting back together. And, uh, it's very unlikely just, just by the way, life takes us and sure. where we all, all wind up. So I am mostly, um, w- with these, with these waves and when things are done, um, for me, it's not quite over yet, but I am scared for when it is because it means like, okay, what's next? Um, am I gonna, uh, and I'm completely responsible for it in a lot of ways. And which is, which is also like, I could go on a huge tangent about being passionate and precious about the work you're doing, but at the same time it has to get done. Um, and that is, has been a battle with me, uh, definitely with, with this project, um, in, in terms of just like, you have to be able to, to, to let things go sometimes and, and, and not treat everything like it's super precious. And I'm, I am going to be scared to let the project go ultimately when I'm done. Um, just because it's like kind of all I know, (laughs) like in terms of my mind, like the music I listen to seriously, like I listen to scores, you know, I, uh, uh, the music I listen to, uh, any sort of photographs I see colors, I'm looking at the, you know, the color, uh, palettes and like, Oh, this would be good for that. This would be good for that. Like when I don't have that like filter to go, when I don't have that thing to filter all of this creative energy into, I'm really quite terrified of just how that's going to be for a while. I'm, I'm sure I'll be fine, sure. but it's, it's, it's learning to once again, adapt, which I know I can do, but it's, doesn't mean it's easy. I, I'm so, I'm so glad you brought up the, the last point that you're talking about. Cause I wanted to go into your creative process a little bit when you're gearing up for whether it be, uh, you know, a feature film or, um, I, I don't know, do you do, are you doing like commercials and ads and stuff or are you primarily just doing, uh, like feature film stuff or short films or what exactly are you, what's your forte? Sure. Yep. Um, so that, that is super, super tricky in each project, obviously when it comes down to, um, the budget and, and what you, because unfortunately money buys time. Um, and, uh, what all I mean by that is like, you know, there's the whole pre-production phase, which needs a ton of work for things to go smoothly. So, um, yeah, th- there were leading up to dark cloud in like four to five months prior. Um, I did, I did, uh, arrange a situation for myself to be having revenue coming in. Um, 
and, and, and but also simultaneously thinking about, okay, what happens when this revenue doesn't come in? So I, I did, I was working on like, uh, general meals or, or sorry, uh, general mills, uh, Malto meal okay. commercials and, and, and such that summer. And, um, some, you know, literally commercials, like you said, um, a lot of post-work color editing. Um, and so, yeah, you do. And, and that can be scary too, man, because it's like, you sign on to a project and things just once again, like I don't mean to be a broken record, but you never know how things are going to go. And it's like, you might plan, okay, it'll be great. I'm going to be honest for two days. Um, uh, uh, it's, it's going to be fun. Um, I, I get to exercise this part of my brain and you know, then I can go back to dark cloud. Well, like, you know, well maybe something happens like, okay, so you schedule out the week and you know, you have to get back to dark cloud. Uh, or I knew I had to get back to dark cloud, but this is literally what would happen is like, you know, you, you jump into these projects and, um, the, can you hear that? I'm <laughs> That's sorry. All right. That's all right. Keep, <laughs> you're, you're good, man. You're good. But I think what I was just trying to say is like, yeah, it's a balancing act, man. Um, and it's a little bit of a gamble too, because you might not know how long this pro- project is actually going to go, especially like when it's actually a big client, sure. um, and you want to honor their requests and you want them to be happy. Um, it's really, 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 really hard to, to actually know how that's all going to go down. And so it's, it just goes back to that mindset, that lifestyle of being okay with taking some risks yep. and, and seeing what the day brings really. So when you're gearing up for whether it be this, the, the general mill stuff or your, your dark cloud stuff, obviously those are two completely different, uh, genres. So how do yeah. you, how do you prepare for that going into it? And what is your, how does your process change during it? Because I know, say with the dark cloud, you are directing, whereas with the general mill stuff, obviously you're, you're in a much different role, but does your creative process change? Do you have certain rituals that you take part in? Do you, uh, do you take certain steps? Do you, what, walk us through your, your process a little bit. Sure. You take something like, uh, uh, general mills brand, uh, a commercial, and what's what's so tricky about something like that is like the brand and audience and uh, the the consumers already exist. Sure. So there's an expectation there. Exactly. Like you have to be true to the the uh, the client mm-hmm. or or the product, whatever it is that you're you're working on, and so that in itself can be a challenge. So sort of thinking about the the, the minds are getting in the mindset of sort of what what the goal is and like it's a lot of research i've always felt is like really become familiar with with past you know p- past uh work or something uh, uh, or what am i trying to say definitely things of that genre and of that type and just familiarizing yourself like what are the trademarks like what are the what what are the things that that seem to to work and I, it, it's really a, I, I can't help but say it's like having the discipline to just shut off the other thing that you're working on and, and get into the mindset of the people that are giving you the opportunity. But when, when you have those limitations and you have those guidelines in place, is there sort of a sense of, yes, you're still being creative, but does it at least, does it make things any easier because it's at least given you a, a blueprint that you're following? Yeah, I think I think that that's kind of the fun in it is finding a way to inject your personality in a thing that already exists. Sure. 
in, in either medium uh, or, or the film medium versus like, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, like story narrative film versus like commercial storytelling. And it, 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 do, it does, it does make it easier, but uh, it also can bring about a lot of unforeseeable issues too, because like you're not the people who have created the brand and, you might make a choice that is just awesome to you or maybe as a storyteller that just doesn't make sense for what they're trying to do. And so what, what I often will say is the difficulty comes from like the revisions and trying to understand what maybe you're not getting sure. and, and, and having those conversations and, and, and the communication. And then I know you know about this, the education portion of uh, are educating your, your clients sure. into like what it means, what, like this is what you're asking for. Um, those are very much the challenges. I feel like a lot of logistical things and, and trying to, to preserve the, the relationship and, and make sure that they're happy. Is that, am I answering? Yeah, no, asked? absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that knowing the expectation going into the project, that's kind of what I'm gaining from you is that um, yes, especially with something like General Mills, where they have a brand they need to uphold. Um, you know, when you're going into say something more like a dark cloud situation, where you are a little bit more influential on the, I'm, I'm assuming anyway, you're a little bit more influential on how things look, maybe how things are cast, maybe um, how scenes are delivered and stuff. Um, Absolutely. Do you yeah. do you enjoy that more, um, and is that more difficult, or is that is that yeah? I guess just tell me your your thoughts on that. Sure. Um, the the satisfaction of like taking a script that, in this case, my business partner John wrote, and injecting my personality into it, and bringing it from the ground up and reworking ideas. Um, and being the one who gets to make those decisions is insanely satisfying. But I will say that the, the the path is is difficult to navigate or can be very challenging because you have to honor, I think it's really important to be to honor yourself, be true to yourself, but also the people that already are are doing the work or or footing you know the 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 bill for the um the the project in order for it to actually come into fruition and make it happen because they believe in it. There's a huge, it, it's very difficult, but man, is it a great uh, exercise to crack that code of, of say, okay, we want to go a PG 13 route. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we've got uh, a death scene in it where, uh, you know, I'm just going to name a random example. Um, like, uh, you know, let's, you know, so someone's, you know, a window or, uh, uh, an object, uh, uh, pierces someone's body, sure. you know? Um, and the fun I have in that is making that work for what the people, uh, that, that are making it possible for you, uh, uh, making that work for them, making it work for the writer, um, making it work for the cast and crew, um, and and just find a way to really fuse it together. That it's definitely more challenging. Sure. And I I, I I I will I will say that I if I have to compare those two beasts, they're very very different. Like the commercial realm and then the narrative film realm. I I love directing and I love seeing. It's like being a composer, man. Yep. Like um, or an orchestrator. And it's like you just you know, communicate and wave your hands and, 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 and things 
happen if you're a good communicator and people are on the same page. It's very, very rewarding. Sure. Um, before we, before we move on, I, you brought up something that I thought was some, it's something that I absolutely never thought of. You touched on the, the PG 13 thing. I suppose that, yeah. is that something that always gets worked out ahead of time and you just have to abide by things as you go? Or is it like, well, if a certain amount of F bombs get dropped in, in, uh, the ad libbing of acting, then, well, we got to increase the rating. Like, do you guys go into a certain project with the rating in mind? You know, it's definitely important to do that. You know, you obviously, you don't, you don't, at the end of the day, you're not the one who decides the rating, but you, you definitely like follow the, the guidelines, the the blueprint. Sure. Yeah. The the guidelines, the blueprint. And, you know, you know, post is a, a, a great thing. Uh, we have a lot of freedom in post these days sure. and uh, a lot of things can be changed and fixed and, um, you get a creative person or creative people on, on, in post, um, they usually can find a way to make it work if it's a last minute thing. However, yeah, going in with the goal and knowing what it is intended to be, it's ideal. Sure. I mean, obviously Disney's not going into making their, you know, their next live action movie with, with, uh, you know, the plan of, oh, we'll just wing it. You know, obviously they have an idea, they have a set audience with an expectation that, okay, this, this thing's got to be PG. So yeah, that makes sense. And I guess the last question about your creative process, how much does the money change it? Cause somebody's investing in these projects. Do they, how much of a say do they have over you? Do you get to still give as much creative input as you would like, or is everything kind of run by them? Yeah. So in my experience here with like Dark Cloud, the one thing I really, really appreciate about the executive producer, Craig Patrick, is he puts a lot of trust into the filmmakers. He will most definitely, uh, you know, uh, it just depends on the individual. Like in my case, um, he'll, you know, any concerns you might have or uh, any any uh, requests or, or like, I, you know, I, I feel this way. You know, it's he's he's make sure he makes sure that he's that he's heard, and these people generally do. And I guess the difference between someone like him uh, or someone like a studio, it's you know the studio. At the end of the day, they do have that power over you. Sure. They, they do. I mean, that's why you see so many directors' cuts come out. Like you know, the first or an extended cut, like the first cut is maybe too long. Sure. So then the studio is like, nope, we got to get it down to to two hours. You know, and so you lose twenty minutes of the film, and that's why later they kind of double dip and. Or maybe they'll just sort of grant uh, grant the wishes of of uh, the filmmaker and release that director's cut later, um, and uh, maybe for like a home release, you know. So, um, uh, where I think where I'm trying to go with this, just sort of like ultimately, yeah, you do have you do have the power. It just depends on the architecture of the project, sure. absolutely, and, and then the people. Sure. Do you find it difficult not being the center of attention? And I, I don't. I know that you're not one to be center of attention, but say um, in the music industry. Somebody goes in, they record an album. It's the band's album. Um, now, I, yeah. as a producer, obviously, I'm a part of that, but nobody really knows. As a director, how do you feel when you've put all this work into into something? I mean, obviously, the 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 people on screen are always going to be receiving a lot of the the press and attention. Is that cool with you? Has that ever been something that's been, you know, a, a driving factor for you, or do you just enjoy kind of being behind the scenes? I, I really like being behind the scenes. As a kid, I, I, I thought I wanted to be an actor. And it's, it's why I was in all of 
the things that I was creating. Um, I think where that kind of took a turn for me was when I realized, well, like someone, like if I want to make this look good, like I can make sure of that. I'm, I'm willing to learn that. Like, or I'm like, I, I can educate myself. And it got to a point where it's like, well, I'll just start using my friends, you know, sure. because if I'm in control of the technical element and the storytelling and, I, and I'm guiding people, I can still construct a, a story. And it's really not a problem for me at all. Um, I, 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 I love, of course, any, any artist likes talking about what they're working on because it's, you know, it means so much to them, but, um, no, like, as a matter of fact, I can't imagine being someone, um, who can't leave their house without a paparazzi, sure. <laughs> um, crossing their path. And, and, and like, that's, that's just like, man, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to touch on a conversation I had today with, uh, an actor, a friend of mine, Justin Jones, uh, who's actually in dark cloud. We were talking earlier today about like how absolutely difficult or just trapped it must be or, or feel sometimes to be expected especially with social media these days like putting yourself out under the internet and um like being expected to to have sort of a persona like that those sort of things can actually be in people's contracts it's like oh sure you have to plug the movie like you have to you have to post xyz you know amount of times i uh, was in this time period and like i like there's just something so scary about that to me, man. I wouldn't want to be put on blast like that because you, no matter what, like there is this sort of artificial thing that you have to do. Um, and I think that when, if you can, if you can get your mind to the right place, like that's great. Um, I know I'm too much of a, of a damn head case to be like pretending all the time. Things are great. Like, um, and, and, uh, knowing that eyes are on you all the time, you know, fuck that. <laughs> like I, I am not interested in that. Right. Right. I really appreciate your time. And I, I want to wrap up here in just a few minutes, but there are a few little things that I want to touch on real quick. Um, this podcast cool. is called the state of creative. And so I'm curious, what's your take on the, the current state of your industry? Um, you know, how far it's come say in the past 10 years with the evolution of the internet and where you see it headed in the future. In terms of where I see things going, one of the problems right now is that people don't go to the movie theater. They do, but it's to see a Disney Marvel movie. And, you know, I, I, I understand that. Like, those films are very, very fun to experience, you know, in Dolby 7.1 Atomos surround sound and, you know, 4K laser projector. And, you know, there's several other types of theaters out there that are very uh interactive and the big chairs that recline and you know your gigantic popcorn and your you know $22 diet yeah. coke yes your $22 diet coke that's sort of the thing is like we've all, all of the tools between filmmaking like actually creating the the material and then being a consumer or uh, a, a a film or a film connoisseur like a lot of the experiences now that you can get at home with with building your home theater, um, you know, home projectors, um, and a 4k television. Like the thing is like, that's kind of good enough for a lot of people. And like with streaming and so many options, like it's hard to get people to go to the theater. And that's why you're seeing all of these, um, massive, uh, uh, couches. They're trying to emulate like the home experience. Sure. I said couches, but I mean like seats where you can, um, recline and, um, they, they want you to be comfortable. Um, so what I see happening with with sort of the state of things 
Um, there are some things obviously happening in the world that no one ever could have predicted or planned for. Um, just to you know, yeah. <laughs> to be <laughs> right uh, to echo everything we're talking about. Right. Um, but I think that here, here's my take. Um, I believe that this enti- entire idea of streaming and and uh, um, home viewing is going to just continue to get bigger and bigger and and more mainstream while guaranteed sure hit blockbuster money-making films that can get people in the theater i think those will find a home in the theaters um so it's weird because the like the theatrical experience is so important to me but the 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 takeaway is though like you know, we have a lot of tools and there's a lot of opportunity for home uh, to, to get what you're doing in front of people's eyes. Um, and so it, it's hard when y- your, your project or your, um, your film is going to drown uh, in, in a vast sea of so much content. Yeah, there's so much. It's, it's, it, it's I, I, I can't help but think it's great that we have the, these 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 streaming services, but I can also say that I am just like everyone else. When I sit down and I load up Hulu or Netflix, um, it takes me like a half hour to find something that I want to watch because I'm just so overwhelmed with all of the shit. Like, and when I say the shit, like just like options. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's, it's, it's literally overwhelming. Well, you just think about how things have changed. I mean, back when we were younger, we would go to the Blockbuster. Now I think yes. I think they're they're under, or maybe there's one store left. I heard I don't know if that's true or not. But there is, yes, there is. We would go to Blockbuster, we would get, you know, you'd take that would be your Netflix menu. That would be where you're sitting at, or, you know, you're you're flipping through, going down the aisles, picking out your movie for the for the night, and you pay, you know way too much, like, you know, four ninety nine or five ninety nine for a VHS. And if you didn't return it on time, you got charged double that. And, um, yep. then we evolved to DVDs and then, uh, you know, uh, Netflix started coming out and Redbox and, and all these stream services. And now we got things like Quibi that are out. Um, I don't know what your take is on that, but these short little, uh, 12 minute episodes, the, the idea of it is pretty cool to me, but I guess what I'm trying to get at is, yeah, there's so many avenues for people to find content now that it's almost, it, it's pretty overwhelming. And uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see where it goes in the future because I think kind of like how iTunes revolutionized the music industry, I think these other services are, while it's making the market quite flooded with video content, I think it's also giving people an opportunity to discover content that they wouldn't have been able to otherwise, you know, there's all these Netflix and Hulu original shows that, uh, you know, might not have ever been able to make it onto network TV and definitely would have never been in a, in a movie theater. And so I think having, having those options, I think that's huge. Um, yep. So yeah, no, I, I absolutely, I, I appreciate your take on that because, um, we're it's it's an ever changing market for sure. I wanted to jump into right before I let you go here a few last little questions. Um, got a couple audience questions that I would love to ask you. Um, yeah, one that I have here is from Amber Steimer, and uh, her her question was: What applications or software would you recommend for people trying to learn and understand the creative process in film? Sure. Um, 
Hi, Amber. Hope you listen to this. <laughs> um, she actually, funny enough, worked a little bit on Dark Cloud um, and uh, was very essential for some of the things we tasked her with. And so that's that's cool. It's, uh, though, when it comes to um, sort of learning and get, getting your hands on on accessible tools, um, there's a couple things I can say. The a part of me wants to say, you know, the filmmaker in me who's been doing this for a long time wants to say, download DaVinci Resolve because um, it's a color, uh, it, it's, it's, it's more of a color processing application, but it's evolving. More people are using it for editing. Um, you can actually start, to, they're, they're plugging in VFX options for it now, and they've just been growing this little application, though it's, it's a very complicated program. Um, so you might be turned off by it. Um, though I think to just understand the basic concepts of editing, of course, I will, I, I will also say Adobe Premiere, like sure. it, it was the best thing that came out after Final Cut Pro, but for someone getting just started who doesn't want to be in over their head, just the basic concept of even like, um, iMovie or even the, the latest Final Cut Pro, which no, it's not industry standard so much anymore. I don't know. Maybe technically it is, but I don't know anyone who uses it that I work sure. with. Um, but they've really done what is, I think, a pretty decent job of just making it digestible, sure. and then allowing you to explore and 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 grow your your um, knowledge of the application um, at your own desire. Like the simple concept of like dragging audio and video and adding little. You know, fade in, fade out, crossfades, um, layer and opacity. Um, that those are really good for that, and in my opinion, they're pretty affordable. And I think iMovie is—I don't know if it's free or what. No, I think it does come free. And honestly, that's something that I started messing around with when I first started doing. Uh, obviously, I'm not as heavily involved in film as you are, uh, but iMovie seems to be great. Uh, as far as uh, the hardware goes, though, for somebody that's looking to break into the film industry, or even just kind of tinker around with it. I feel like nowadays we're walking around with a supercomputer in our pocket called an iPhone or a Samsung yeah, Galaxy or yeah. something. Do you, what are your thoughts on using that to crack into film? Cause I feel like I've seen commercials specifically, you know, the Apple commercials and it says, you know, shot on iPhone. Um, is, yep. is that, is that a viable tool for somebody to get started with filmmaking? I, at this point, I completely am on board as as a learning tool for sure. The what's great about it is you can get an application, um, one that I love to use called Filmic Pro, and the control it gives you over your phone's camera is absolutely astounding, in my opinion, considering it's your damn phone and it's you know uh, 4K. Re- well, technically, for you know, I. I that, that that's a debate in itself yeah. what, what the resolution like what what you can actually do with the resolution however like but like it is clearer and more crisp than any camera you could could have bought on the market like 10 years ago or that you oh, could have sure. afforded and, and but just to understand the basic elements of even camera operation um and buying adapters for uh the lenses on your camera like you know a wide like a like a even like a fisheye wide angle lens and just sort of seeing how these things work, controlling aperture, controlling frame rate, controlling the shutter speed and a white balance and all that good stuff. That is all there. And it's like, if you can understand that on any camera, I will always say this 
um, especially if you're just looking to film content. Once you understand how all those things talk to each other, you can pick up any camera, navigate through the menu, and and uh, essentially graduate from that. And, and, and as long as you're willing to learn more and, and use more techniques that or, or accessories that would come with your camera, it is an awesome place to start. I even use it sometimes for certain things. And I have no hesitation to pull out my camera and um, like, like, not, not like, who, who am I kidding? Like dark cloud, for instance, there, I'm not, I'm not saying which one or which part, but there's a part of that movie shot on the iPhone. Oh, that's killer. And it's, that's so and, cool. And, 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 and we're also shooting on cinema cameras that are thousands and thousands of dollars yeah. and it works. It's, it's, it's incredible. Could you imagine talking to your 2004 self or whatever, when you were graduating high school and you had your Motorola flip phone? Uh, your razor or whatever it might be, the, no, yeah. the Nokia. Could you imagine telling yourself, hey, someday you're going to be able to use one of these to shoot a scene in, in a motion picture? No way in hell, man. Like, like, I thought the DSLR revolution was insane in terms of just like the accessibility and affordability of that. It's like, oh my gosh, like you, you can, it looks like film. Like you have- yep. Uh, like, like, like you have depth of field. Um, you can choose what to focus on. Um, so, but no, like, like my mind was probably would have said, uh, that's impossible yeah. because it, like we, <laughs> technology keeps progressing so much faster than it ever. Um, I think I read this, I can't remember where it was, but this article about, um, technology, it's like 10 times faster than it was. And I forget what year they mentioned, but it wasn't that long ago. And it's like the progress we can make in technology in one year is like equivalent to what it was at a certain time. Um, that would have been like 10 years. I heard something at one point. It was uh, technology doubles every whatever, 12 months or something. That, that, that it's probably something and like, it yeah, sounds yeah. insane, but you think about it and, and it really does ring true. Um, yes. I just want to rapid fire just a few quick last minute questions here, and then I'm going to let you get going. Um, cool. A question from my buddy, Josh, OshJ2314 asks, through your journey, is there one movie genre that has influenced or inspired you the most? Just a quick rapid fire answer on that. Sci-fi drama. Sci-fi drama. Thriller. Okay. Thriller. <laughs> Maybe thriller. Okay. Yeah, thriller. Yeah. Okay. Killer. Uh, favorite films, rapid fire by category. Uh, let's start with thriller. Uh, seven. Great, great flick. Uh, comedy. Dumb and Dumber. Nice. <laughs> Horror. Ooh, uh, uh, I'm going to say it follows. It's probably not that, um, but it's one I really liked more recently and have a lot of respect for. Okay. Um, action. I mean, is that, is that, is that closely related to thriller? I'm, I'm no, 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 like thriller is definitely like, you know, I guess you can have action, a thriller, but, um, what, what I would say, um, is, uh, uh, like, I'm going to say this, but it's not it. <laughs> I know it. Like, um, I'm going to say Terminator two. That, that's a good answer. That's a great answer. And, uh, how about, how about rom-com? Um, I don't know if this is technically a comedy, but I really liked Mark Webb's 500 Days of Summer. Okay, okay. Like it's, it's very real and quirky. Okay. Um, um, but like, or just like a romantic, you know, uh, a romance, like, or like, like, like the notebook. Yeah. Like, um, like that's, a, that's a really well-made film. I, I go into deep 
deep-rooted depression oh, man. Like, about at least when I saw it, you know, that was like, I haven't watched it in a good decade. But, I um, was hoping it's, that it's you were going to say The Notebook. I mean, I don't know that it crosses over the, the comedy mark too much, um, but my God, dude, that's such a good flick. It's so good. Yeah, just the romance, like, and it's, it's so, it, the thing that's interesting about it is like, it's so, not how life is usually, sure. but you really, the characters are so lovable and endearing. Um, that that you just you you really want them to be together, and I think that's what's so cool about that film is just like the 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 characters themselves are are characters you, we really root for. Totally agree. Uh, what content are you currently consuming on a regular basis? So interesting. I was going to say this a little earlier, but you know, I mentioned the trouble I have choosing content like a like like media um, when it comes to streaming or films. Like I have not been watching that many films or TV shows like in my, like the last couple of years of my life, I've been uh, really get engaging in um, either like comic books, um, books. Um, um, and uh, not, not when I say comic books, it's, it's not just like superhero sure. comic books. There's some really great just storytelling, like real life. Okay. What was the last, last comic that you consumed? Um, oh gosh, let's see here. Uh, da, 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 da. I read Frank Miller's, um, it's a superhero comic, Frank Miller's, uh, Dark Knight, uh, The Golden Child. So it's like a, a it's a post, um, uh, a Batman film in a, a, in a very, uh, rundown sort of society and world where people have lost hope. Did I say film? A Batman story, okay. um, where Batman is not even in it. It's just, uh, sure. the, 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 the symbol of Batman in this, in this, uh, this young gal that he um, he trained essentially to take over for him um, and carrying on the the um, the meaning of what it is that he he did and the, the uh, it's 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 it was very political Love it. and I, I thought it was it was a little hard because it touches on our reality like I, I just got to say this the, the 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 political figure in in the comic book they didn't say it was Donald Trump but he's drawn like Donald Trump <laughs> <laughs> but you know was, you know it's him. <laughs> It's so, it's so uh, yeah. band or artist that you're currently hot on right now. You know, there's this composer, um, uh, this individual who composed the soundtrack to, um, a film that, uh, my composer, um, that I often use, turn me on to the, the artist is called blank mass. Okay. And he just, he just scored, uh, his first film. Um, and I have to recommend it. It is just absolutely it's so moody and so cinematic and so catchy because it's like, this is a guy who writes, um, you know, music that, that gets stuck in your head. And I just love when those things can be married where it's like, you really associate a melody with, um, imagery. And, and, and so I have to, I have to recommend checking that out if you're into what I'm into. Okay, absolutely. Well, and that makes sense with you being in film. I mean, you have to, uh, understand the connection between what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're feeling. So that makes total yes. sense to me. Uh, what, controversial opinion do you have it can be about anything it doesn't have to be about film it can be but what is a controversial opinion we won't dive into it but just go ahead and state your opinion i think there are other very very good options camera wise to consider that are not red okay and for those that don't know red is obviously the the big guns they're used a lot yeah a lot of your feature films that you're watching these days um are 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 shot with them um I, and, and it's, yeah, that that's, it's a very controversial thing yep, to say. Nope, you don't have to justify it. That's, that's all I was wondering. Uh, I'm going to give you the last word though. I, I really appreciate having you on. 
Um, actually, before before the last word, where can people find you as far as social handles, as far as your website, if they want to see some of the the work you've done? Um, just go ahead and give a couple plugs. Yep, absolutely. So uh, I spend a lot of time on Instagram. It's kind of a filmmaker uh, dream of social media in terms of photographs and all that. So you'll find me very active on there. Uh, my handle uh, is J-A-Y underscore N-E-S-S. My Twitter handle is J is at J C Ness. Mm-hmm. And then uh, website is J hyphen Ness.com. And I, I like, I like, I like referring people to the website because it's got uh, a little bit of everything. A lot of the photographs I post to Instagram and um, you know, cute little bio. Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, and, and you can contact me. Excellent. Love it. Well, I mean, like I said, I'm going to give you the last word. Um, is there a question or a thought that you would like to leave with, uh, with the audience before we let you go here? Absolutely. I would like to say thank you for having me because these conversations are conversations we would normally have. And I appreciate other people, you giving other people the opportunity to, to, uh, sort of in a way participate in them. And then, um, so thank you, man. I love doing these sort of things and it was, it was, it was a a good time. Um, and then one thing to quote a film that I like, uh, named swimming with sharks. Uh, I encourage everyone to ask yourself, what do you really want? What do you want? And find the answer. All right. And real quick, before I let you guys go, I need to give a quick shout out to my friend Joe Wesner for a very generous gift to the podcast. Joe, thank you so very much for the support. I really do appreciate it. For everyone out there, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. That means a lot to me. Show Jay some love across his social channels and on his website. Let him know that you heard him on this episode. I know that he would appreciate it. And as always, you can hit me up on Twitter at Dustin Phillips, on Instagram at Dustin Phillips Music, and now on TikTok at the Dustin Phillips. Thank you all so much for checking out this episode. I sincerely hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Until next time, stay creative. 